Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the UGA Sports Sunday Call-In Show. I'm your host, Paul Meharry. Join, as always, Jason Butt, Ben Bachman. will be by in just a few to help us out. We are in the uh, dog days of spring right now, with spring practice fully upon us, Jason. And uh, before we dive deep into that, because that's what we're probably going to talk about for most of the show, honestly, is, is the spring practice and what's happening with the quarterbacks is what you guys want to know. Uh, so... Before we do that, though, if you're watching us, make sure you put a comment into uh, where you're watching us, Facebook or YouTube. Let us know where you're watching us from. We'll shout you out. If you have any questions, put them into the comments as well. And then, as always, guys, uh, we love talking to you live on screen. So uh, there's a link in the description. You can click and uh, you can join us live here and just uh, ask a ton of questions to Jason Butt and uh, Ben Choppy Bachman, who's right there. Ben, looking good. I know I brought back the uh, the setup. Obviously, yeah. uh, sometimes I turn invisible, but uh, yeah. I brought back the old setup when you weren't here because I didn't think you were worthy of it. So I'll bring it back again just for, for the people. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, always good to see you, brother. Always good to see you. We got uh, Dave Williams here says, good evening, fellas and uh, all dogs. Guys, uh, before, you know, spring practice, everybody thought Carson Beck was going to be the starter. Do we have – I'll just put it out there. I'm just going to ask both of you. Do we have a, a legitimate quarterback battle going on right now? Jason, I'll start with you. I think there was always – well, I'll back up for one second. When Mike Bobo became the offensive coordinator, I think that opened things up at least a little bit. Anytime you have a new offensive coordinator, even if he's the coach on staff, you're going to have – different things you like, different things you want to do, put your own spin on it. We already heard that from Chaz Chambliss this week, who who noted that when they're lining up uh, going ones-on-ones, uh, there's different stuff that Mike Bobo is putting in. There's different plays. Uh, it's been a little bit different. They're not, they're not seeing the same stuff time after time like they were with Todd Munkin. That's not to say the scheme and all that changes. It's just a different spin on this type of offense. So that said, I think naturally a new – the new coordinator is going to to want to look at you know look at all the options maybe more so than the familiarity Todd Munkin was with. I think if Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator, we could legitimately sit up here and say a lot of the stuff that we've seen from Kirby Smart and heard from Kirby Smart is lip service to try and minimize, as we've talked about before, uh, one or multiple guys transferring, especially if it's a case where Gunner Stockton ends up with the job. The last thing they want is Gunnar Stockton getting it too early and then the, the other two guys uh, uh, possibly moving on. Uh, so I still think a lot of it is lip service, I, but I do think that um, it, it, it's at least more of a competition than it would have been if Todd Munkin was still here. Oh, it's a competition. Yeah, it's a, it's I, I don't think it's a shoe-in for Beck. And honestly, I don't think it is lip service. Um, and the reason being, I think Brock Vandergriff, and before I was saying – Oh, Gunner Stockton, I think, could take this. Or I think it's going to be split between Beck and uh, Gunner. I think Brock has a shot at this. I really do because he is getting, from every practice report, he's getting better and better each week. My issue with Beck, and it's the issue that's been at practice, it's been what's held him back. It's the mental game. The mental aspect of it has held Carson back. is decision-making, and when he gets into a cold streak, it goes downhill fast, fast. Like you, you can have a bad throw, then you bounce back from it. You see Carson, that guy will throw four or five touchdowns in a practice or he'll throw four picks in a practice. And that's the issue with Carson is the nature of the consistency in the mental game. 
which I think if Brock gets it down, the thing Brock adds is he adds that he's the best athlete of the three. And also I was looking at today's NFL game. If Beck isn't that great of an athlete, when I was, I heard Blaine say it, I've heard other Georgia fans say it. And I've even heard a couple people in the media say Beck could be a first round quarterback. I see some of the traits to do that, but if he's not a great athlete, I mean, we're talking about big, tall quarterbacks who, if they're not a great athlete, they're not first-round quarterbacks or they succeed in the NFL anymore. Look at Mac Jones. He hasn't really succeeded. Outside of that, there isn't really a statue in the NFL. Now, maybe he's a little bit better than a statue, but I just don't think this Carson Beck stuff of him being a shoe-in is there. I would give him the edge because of the experience because I think Kirby, if it's a tight battle, I think he's going to roll with the guy who he feels, hey, he's been here the longest. He's been in the locker room. He knows the system more. He just he he gets it. He just gets it more. Where I think Brock and Gunner are at a disadvantage of, they have to prove they are the guy more so than Beck. Because if it's a dead even battle, I think Beck's getting it. But Brock and Gunner, mainly Brock in recent weeks, has been improving mightily, and I think it's it's a legit battle where Brock keeps progressing at this rate. I think he could take the job. I really do. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, you know I think that's what everybody's concerned with, right? You have Stetson who. Uh, people were so ready to get rid of. And, he, and then he came back and won another national title. And now you're, you've got a quarterback battle, which is the most fun by far you can have in terms of a fan base. Unless like you have like a legitimate, you know, Caleb Williams, Heisman type guy, a quarterback mm-hmm. battle in, in the spring and summer is, is fun. Uh, there's just no way around it. And we won't technically see it with our own eyes until G day, you know, a couple of weeks from now. So, uh, we're having to rely on sources. We're having to rely on uh, folks that are at the practices who might have bias already yeah. built in, you know, uh, that they like a quarterback better. So that's who, who they like. Right. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of it going around, but the thing is uh, just, I think the last show I did with you guys was a month ago. It's been a while because I had to do TV two weeks ago, but um, just last month, guys, I, I mean, I feel like, and I don't want to speak for both of you guys. I want to get your input on it. I feel like, for me at least, this quarterback battle has ramped up heavily. Because I like a month ago, I was like, yeah, this is Beck's. Uh, we're hearing good things about Beck. When is Vandergrift transferring? Now, you know, it's like, is this a 50-50? Because Kirby said himself, they're both taking reps with the ones. Yeah, uh, again... I've been around covering this game, covering coaches for a long time, and I don't do it full-time anymore. But coaches say things to keep players involved, interested, engaged. Now, I'm I'm with Ben. I don't think it – like if, if this were Todd Munkin's show, I, I do believe it would – he – we all know he favored Carson Beck. He really liked Carson Beck. I don't think, you know, Losing, or I should say, I do think losing Todd Munkin was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Carson Beck in terms of having somebody firmly in his corner. Now, at the, at the end of the day, Kirby Smart's going to make that call. Let's let's call out for what it is, but with strong input from the offensive coordinator, um, you know, so I, I I think we'll continue to hear those things, whether they are true. Now, I do agree with Ben also in that when it comes to the Georgia offense. I, I, Brock Vandegrift's skill set, I think, especially with how Stetson ran the show, you almost want him to be the guy. Now, I, I'm not saying he 
yeah, I don't, I don't want to elevate him and say, you know, if, if Carson Beck's, if Carson Beck's the better quarterback, you obviously go with him. But in terms of the skill set, with the athleticism, how he can throw the ball, I mean, like Lincoln Riley was highly or strongly going after this guy for a clear reason. True, uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, when he's, you know, obviously when he's at Oklahoma, he wanted Brock Vandegrift, and, and ultimately he flipped. I don't think uh, a guy like him identifies a talent like Brock Vandegrift. If um, you know, you know, if he's just just some guy who who's who's got talent but isn't able to grasp everything. Obviously, he's a smart guy, and I think that's where. He's got to. Uh, he's he's making up the ground, and he's ultimately he's got to. I think one of the things that Kirby Smart said that really stood out this week is that Carson Beck knows everything inside and out, and we saw that with Stetson Bennett for two years. The year that he he kind of came in and then and then got pulled, and then the year he ended up taking over for JT Daniels, he still made a lot of those mistakes, and that's where Carson Beck's got to cut down on. Obviously, as been as been said. Um, and, and that's going to be the big thing through the rest of the spring and then through fall camp. Can Carson Beck minimize those mistakes and not let things spiral when they get bad? And if so, then I, I think he can take this job. When it comes to the long term and, and the and just from a skill set perspective, uh, I mean, they got to do everything they can to make sure Brock Vandegrift stays a part of this program because I think he can do a whole heck of a lot if that mental aspect uh, it catches up to the athletic aspect. Here's a uh, here's a great question for you, Ben. This is from uh, JSD Georgia. We appreciate it. And guys, you can ask your questions uh, as much as you want in the chat. That's what helps keep this show going. This is the call-in show. We we really rely on you guys uh, to ask questions and and move the show forward. So please, uh, if you have any questions, put them into the uh, in the comments. And like I said, you can join the show by clicking the link in the description on YouTube. Uh, it brings you into a waiting room. It doesn't put you on right away, and uh, we can get you in. But JSD Georgia. Uh, Ben says, if Carson doesn't start, does that mean since he is still in competition, in the end he wasn't developed? Um, it's it's a tricky situation because you, I mean, you really don't have a firm answer on it one way or the other. But in my opinion, just based off of what I've heard over the years, he's gotten better each year. Um, because what I heard when he first got there as a freshman, now part of that he entered, he was a part of the 2020 class, so obviously COVID hit. But I heard really bad things his freshman year. Like I heard it's just not going well at all. Because remember, they were looking at Dewan Mathis. I mean, obviously, Jamie Newman left. The yeah. JT wasn't healthy. But they had three different starting quarterbacks. And also, Jamie Newman was supposed to be the starter. They never even thought for a second about Carson Beck. And a lot of that's COVID and being a true freshman. But I heard that guy was nowhere near ready. Today, I hear great things about where Beck is. So just from year one to year three, each year, it's improvement. You're hearing better and better and better and better. And also, I think the other aspect of it is Todd Munkin's system is very complex. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people give Beck the nod um, with you know knowing the system and being a part of the program is when Todd Munkin was in charge. And the system itself is going to be there. The personnel groupings and little wrinkles are going to be added or maybe taken out slightly by Bobo. That's it. Um, but when you look at the system, it's a really complex NFL system. That's why you see, but if you can grasp it, you put up big numbers. Brandon Whedon put up big numbers under Munkin's offense. Jamarcus Russell did. Jamison Winston, yes, he had a ton of turnovers, but he threw for over 5,000 yards in Tampa. It's a complex system. So for a freshman to master it, it's going to be hard. So like Dylan Rayola, for example, if Georgia were to get him, wouldn't expect to be a starter year one, maybe year two. It's just because the system is so complex. 
So I think that's the thing when it comes to Beck is the system is really challenging for quarterbacks right away. When you're going from Brock was playing 1A private school ball where there was like 10, 11 plays in the playbook. You're playing for Todd Munkin where there's like 100 play, plays, coached all those years, all those different offenses. It's it's night and day. That's why with Brock, it's always been about getting the playbook down and knowing those intricacies. For Beck, it's about the mental game. Gunner, I just think he's he's young and he's green. He just needs to grow a lot in those areas. With Beck, though, to finish the question, year to year to year, I heard he's getting better. But in a way, let's say he transfers and he does well somewhere else, but Brock is also good. That could just mean Brock's better. Or, it you know, it can mean Beck really wasn't that guy. So I don't think you're going to know that answer until you see Brock or, or Beck on the field or not on the field. We got dog uh, 85 here. Cute pup as the profile picture says, uh, it is so important being mobile. Stetson was deadly with his feet. It might be 20 plays, but when Bennett ran, the defense knew it, dot, 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 too late. I think that they, I think, and Kirby has said that too. Uh, Derek Jefferson alluded to it. He said, Kirby said a few months back, the mobility will be a factor. With that being said, I think Brock will win out. I think Brock has the best mobility out of, out of, those well mm-hmm. i mean gunner probably does but um he's i don't you can't start gunner even if he's the best you can't you're gonna lose two guys to a transfer you're gonna be in a terrible situation uh but out of the two that are you know getting a look at this starting job i think brock obviously has the, the better mobility there it's just how big will that you know play into it how, how big will that you know be a, a huge factor into it uh at the end of the day Andy Stowe says, uh, do you think the offense will have more design runs under Bobo or will it be more of a pocket passing attack that could play a role in who is selected as a starter? Jason, I know you covered some Mike Bobo teams back in the day. Uh, Way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think uh, that this offense uh, is going to have a ton of different, you know, design runs over Bobo? Uh, be more of a pocket passing attack? Will it be more like Munkin? What, what do you think? I mean, we're, we're guessing at this point, right? With, yeah. So what do you think? Give us your best guess. It's going to stay my best guess. It's going to stay the Munkin system. But yeah, it'll have some wrinkles. And I think depending on the quarterback is how they're going to, to, to you know, utilize, you know, what I think the average fan would say would be design runs from the quarterback or or um, pocket passing attack. If it's Carson Beck, you're probably going to look at more of a po- plays coming out as a pocket passer. If you have Brock Vandegrift, gives you a lot more to do in terms of how you're going to run and get more read option. It, but it's it's also interesting because, you know, with Stetson Bennett, they didn't run a whole lot of design runs with him. I mean, Bennett's plays were mostly broken plays or scrambles where he got out and then ran for. He was really they – they were really not ever looking to – to run with them now, I think with 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 uh, Brock Vandegrift and his skill set, yeah, I, I think you could try to do that. It it just really depends on Mike Bobo. You look back at Mike Bobo at Georgia previously, though that Mark Rick system, they didn't run the quarterback. I mean, DJ Shockley didn't really have many design runs uh, as a quarterback. So I, I don't know if um, you know, I, I don't know if if going, you know, looking at the pass with Mike Bobo at Georgia is a a great indicator. But uh, I do think, um, you know, you don't you don't uh, just tear down something that's been working. You take what Todd Munkin installed. You keep the the premise, the basics, the scheme there. And then obviously he's going to have um, Mike Bobo is going to have his preferences of what he wants to do in a lot of situations. 
And depending on the quarterback, I think you'll see whether um, you know th- this is a uh, kind of the, what what the uh, what was being asked there. Whether you see pocket pass, whether you see yeah. uh, design runs, etc. Uh, we've got somebody about to join the show. I see him in the waiting room. But before we do that, guys, head on over to the Rogue Shop. Use promo code Bulldogs Ten to get all of your oh. and uh, medicinal needs over there. Use promo code Bulldogs10, get 10% off your order. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. Oh, I was going to add one quick thing. A lot of the runs they also had last year were a lot of read options where Stetson did not pull it. Stetson just handed it off. Like, I I noticed, like, most of the, the runs he could have had were, like, he had an option. It wasn't just a design straight-up run. Like, there was, like, a couple against TCU. That was, like, the one game where there was, like, multiple where it was designed solely for the quarterback. Most of the others were like they were read options. Like I saw several times with Kenny where it's like, okay, Stetson could have pulled this. I remember against Ohio State. Um, the, I mean, there were times where he, he could have pulled it. I mean, there was one time where he did pull it and it didn't end up well. It would have been a touchdown if he handed it off to Kenny and that ended up in a missed field goal. Um, that that play in that game. So a lot of those plays were quarterback made the decision based off of reading the edge rusher. So I think it's going to depend because I know Brock is one of the more aggressive guys. Like if it's based off his high school career, he pulls that thing a lot. So if it's him, I think you're going to see a lot more run game. If not, I don't think you're going to see much. Uh, let's bring in the guest here. Uh, Mayhem Matthew. What's up, man? Hello. How y'all doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I, I really like, I enjoyed the show so far. So um, appreciate it. But I do. I do want to talk about something. A little bit different than quarterbacks, if y'all are interested. Um, you know, we have uh, Ken, Kendall Milton out with the hamstring, and we also have uh, Edwards. He's dealing with hamstring injury, but I'm, from what I'm hearing, he's he's still practicing a little bit. Um, but um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I love the quarter. I love I love the running back room. Um, I think you know both Robinsons, uh, Roderick. And uh, the other Rob Branson Robinson, and even Andrew Paul, uh, they're going to be uh, very physical, very tough, uh, and very fast. Uh, you know, what is y'all's opinions on that? Go ahead, Ben. I just think they're going to be tough to bring down. Like one of the big things that I think a lot of people have like reported, um, including us, is Roger Robinson. Like, w- there's been tackling issues. He's the tackling issue. Is Roger like Robinson? He's, he's pounds, a big right? boy for like a mid-year enrollee. Um, and then you have Branson, who's kind of starting to come into his own. He was number one running back recruit in the country. People compare him to Nick Chubb. You see some parts of that in his game. He's growing and getting better. I think one of the underrated aspects of those two running backs, if you want to just see how the running back pecking order is going to be next year, is how they do in pass protection. The reason why I think you're going to see once Kendall's healthy is the guy, not just the experience. They trust him in pass protection. I remember last year against um, – it was either uh, – I think it was Tennessee in the second half. Every play Branson was on the field, they he got a touch. He never was in pass pro, never caught a ball out of the backfield. So if they trust him in pass protection, the same with Roderick right out the gate, they're going to give him the ball. Because DeAndre Swift, underrated pass protector as a running back. The little things Kirby Smart and Dell value a lot. So when you look at that aspect of the game, that's actually going to play a bigger role than some think in terms of the running back pecking order. Yeah, I, I think so too. Also, uh, this is a great question from OU Herschel Walker. I want to save it, but who, in your opinion, uh, since you joined us, Matthew, who is the uh, receiving running back that you're looking towards uh, taking over? Because 
right now, um, I mean, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to say, I mean, who has the most catches out of the backfield now that McIntosh is gone? Probably Edwards. Yeah. I mean, is, is Edwards that, that guy for you, or is it somebody else? Um, I would I would think it would probably be Edwards based off of experience, but please do not count out Andrew Paul. I mean, he was, he was injured all season last year, but this guy, is, I, I just – I cannot wait to see him on the field. Um, I, I believe he can get some catches out the backfield, and, and he's going to be hard to bring down too. But before we let you go, Matthew, because there's got a, a good bit of questions coming in over here on the chat. You said you're looking forward to seeing Andrew Paul. Give me somebody on the defense at G-Day that you're looking forward to, to kind of taking into. Um, as far as defensively, um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Michael Williams and Bear Alexander. I mean, we saw them at the end of the year uh, last year in the national championship. They just dominated uh, that the, the defense, so the, the, the TCU's offensive line. And uh, I can't wait for them to bring momentum into next year um, and just keep on uh, pounding it out. There we go. Well, uh, Mayhem, Matthew, uh, we appreciate you joining us, man, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch you on the next one, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Uh, this is a great question from OU Herschel Walker. I want to get to it, guys. And a uh, big uh, part of the family over at UJSports.com, OU Herschel Walker. If you don't know who he is, better ask somebody. Um, oh, I looked it up, too. Uh, Dejon Edwards last year, 101 receiving yards. So – is that the most the returning guys? Yeah, out of uh, in terms of guys in the running back position, yes. I can't. Well, also, you got to think how much does Bobo? I understand it's a similar system, but is what they want in place. But how much does Bobo value throwing to running backs compared to Munkin? Because wherever Munkin's been, he's always wanted to have that one running back who gets like 400, 500 yards. Just I mean, a Kenny, guy. Kenny Mack last year got five hundred four. Two touchdowns. It also helps that that Kenny yeah. Mack has the skill set. I mean, sure. like Kenny Mack came out of high school. I remember talking to his his coach of maybe it was after his first year on campus, and he said, "Yeah, this guy can flat out catch the ball. He's he's a legit receiver in addition to being a legit running back." So I, you can use Kenny Mack. So I mean, yeah, you don't. I don't know if you have a player. You don't have a player who's like that. But yeah, just out of the backfield, you, I mean, yeah, I'm sure uh, Dejon Edwards can can at least give you something. Look, OU Herschel Walker says, do y'all think Bobo would create a, quote, Debo Samuel package for Dylan Bell during obvious passing situations to fill the role that Cook and McIntosh played the last three seasons? I think the reason he brings this up is Dylan Bell, I mean, he, he looks just like Debo in terms of physicality, height, weight, measurables. Um, and your wide receiver room is pretty stacked. So... Yes, Dylan's yes. going to be out there, but at the same time, you know, you, you want to get your playmakers out there as much as possible. That's tough because, like, in my head, when I first saw this, I was like, damn, there's your uh, there's your receiving running back right there. But to teach him pass protection and all that at an SEC level, I feel like that's where – because you could use them, right, if you're going to, like, obviously pass them. But if you audible and you're asking him to block now – as that as that running back, that's where I think things get dicey. So, um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think we have to remember the Niners basically created this on the fly because their whole running back room was decimated. So they, yeah. you know, Debo Samuel. Now this past year, I'd have to go back. I mean, I 
you know, my, my NFL watching these days is red zone and fantasy. So yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm not watching the Niners, uh, you know, so when, when Debo does line up in the backfield, is he pass protecting or is it pretty much a pass play right. where, uh, you know, it's play action or they, they give it to him or, you know, he's, he doesn't have to, to block. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's, if it's needed, that's probably where it would come into play. That would just be my instinct on this. They have so many weapons. They have so much, uh, so many players they can get the ball to that I don't know if they go out of their way to create something. But at the same time, you've seen it. That's kind of how uh, ultimately, you know, the what, what we call the Wildcat originated. Uh, just the Dolphins got uh, really, not really not. I say the Dolphins. That was more so the NFL, but really Auburn. Uh, you know, that's kind of how. Uh, it might have been Arkansas actually. I think it was Arkansas it was the first ones. It was Mal- Mal- when Malzahn was there. Uh, you know, just kind of come up with something so that you think works and it can can create um, mismatch issues. So it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I think it would have to the, the coaching staff would ever say, "Hey, we can really use this uh, to our advantage and and uh, make teams pay with it." That that would be my thinking if, if they were to create something like this and bring one of those receivers into the backfield, like like Dylan Bell, who who like you said, physically, I mean, he he definitely looks the part and and could could be a mismatch. Uh, you know, in that situation. Um, if did our Herschel Walker dog, he was the one that said it. I know he's a buddy of a friend of the show and friend of the site, uh, Zinger dog, Penn Hurst, who is the King Dylan Bell supporter. Uh, Dylan Bell, one interesting fact about that. He played a lot of running back in high school. He did that role in high school. So I think that's one of the reasons when you look at the receivers, I think, and we might get to him. We might not. Um, the receivers that we know, the two transfers, we know Lad McConkey, and we know that they're going to have Arian Smith out there because of his speed. Then you have Marcus Rosemi, Jack Sane, and Dylan Bell. They seem like they're the six receivers that are going to get some shine. The other ones, maybe they might get a little bit of shine, maybe not, but it's really those six. It just is. Dylan Bell could increase his role mightily by doing that. So I would be intrigued by it. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if they're going to do it or not because we we have no clue if Mike Bobo is including a package like that or not. Right. We, 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 we don't. No, but I can answer the fact that I think it would be a good idea because if Dejon Edwards is your only guy that you're going to rely on to catch the ball in the backfield, because the other three are heavier backs. Milton's big. Branson's built like a truck. Um, Nick Chubb's good catching the ball in the backfield, but remember, he wasn't great. And if people are going to compare him to him, Nick Chubb isn't a guy who's threw the ball to a ton. So if you even think Branson's in that a mold of a kind of running back, then you have Roderick. He's huge. I mean, that dude's going to be like, 230 toting the rock. So I don't know if you're, you're going to be throwing the ball to many of those guys outside of maybe Edwards. So I like the idea. I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't think anyone's heard of anything like that. So we'll see. Speaking of uh, now, let's, let's switch it over from the offensive side of the ball. We had a question up here and we have another one down here for uh, defense. Let's see here. Robert Piper says, uh, who's stepping up to fill Ringo's position? I think we all agreed, right? This is another one of those. A month ago, had you asked us, uh, Everett, right? Daylon Everett yeah. was was that guy. I mean, he was the he was the third corner in uh, when one of those guys got taken out, uh, whether it be you know Lassiter or Ringo during the the season. Uh, but now there's a couple more names we're hearing. Uh, which mm-hmm. one do you guys want to talk about? Those guys because they are both pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think – I thought Everett – like, I thought Nylon Green was going to give him a run, but I think Everett – and I still do – would give Everett the edge. But Nylon Green's 
I thought it was going to be like a two-man race, to be honest with you. I thought Humphrey was going to play more star. I thought um, A.J. Harris, if he played early, might play some star because they might move Ballard around, which that's another interesting piece to this. Does Ballard play safety? Then star opens up. And then you got to think, does Ty Key start? Does someone take Ty Key's spot? If Ballard's it's, it's interesting because I think they have three firm starters. Starks is a starter, Ballard's a starter, and Lasseter's a starter. Okay, you got three starters. Just outside of Lasseter and Starks, you don't know where Ballard's going to play and you don't know who the other two are. And I think at corner, I think Nyland Green's making this interesting. I think Julian Humphrey's really making He's the wild card in this because this guy's getting first-team reps where I thought, okay, this guy might be in the 2D, might play a little bit of star. He has a legit shot at the, at the job. I still think it's Everett. I heard at the scrimmage Everett was the best of the bunch competing and got an interception. So I'm going to go with Everett. But even A.J. Harris is starting to be better than anticipated as a mid-year enrollee. So I think this one can get a little bit interesting, but I still lean towards Everett because last year he was the third corner. And to me, he is the highest ceiling of all these guys is, is Everett. He just does. The other guy, like uh, Ben talked about, Jason, a guy that we all thought, Nyland Green, but then, you know, Humphreys is now kind of making a run at it. So it's good that Georgia has, you know, some depth back there, especially with moving uh, Bullard around a little bit. Yeah, great problem to have. And, and I think that's the most interesting part, uh, just to, just like Ben said. Uh moving Bullard uh, or, you know, the possibility that he could move to, to safety and Kirby's explanation this week about, you know, why it kind of makes sense for him to be, be, be there. And, um, you know, they can still use him in similar situations. I mean, you know, down the stretch last year, this guy was just creating havoc off the edge as a blitzer. Then he drops back obviously in the, uh, what in the, the, the championship game, dropping back and, and getting that interception, um, uh, he can he can do a lot of things, and I think uh, at safety uh, they can really maximize his skill set. And then obviously that creates an opening where you can have um, yeah I'm, I'm with Ben. It's kind of like what do you do? Does Taiki with his experience? So you plug him in at star, or do you go with Humphrey, who's obviously been been uh, uh, climbing climbing up and and making a name for himself? And uh, I think it's tough to to go away from Everett at the time at this time, but. You, you you like the you like the problem they have. Um, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of a lot of talent at uh, in the defensive uh, secondary right now, and so it'll be interesting how it shakes out because it's definitely not as simple as you know plugging in Everett or or uh, just Nylon Green stepping up. You got you got two guys there, then you got to figure out uh, what you want to do at safety too. And and I I do wonder um, if the, if the Bullard mentioned is it to motivate some of those other guys or. Or what? Because I mean, it makes sense, obviously, to move Bullard and keep him out there at safety. But um, it also kind of would show, you know, all right, some of these other guys aren't aren't necessarily uh, stepping up on on the other side of uh, Malachi Starks there as one of the two safeties. So uh, interesting to see uh, how all that shakes out and plays out. Here's another one, guys. Uh, been getting a ton of hype so far in the spring. Is uh, Rhett Womack saying I'm ready to see Big Baby Hall? Ben, tell us who this uh the folks that are just now tuning in. They, they've they've watched the uh second natty down. They're waking mm-hmm. up out of hibernation, right? And they're coming back to saying, Oh, football is being played again. Who is this big baby hall fella Brett Womack's talking about? Yeah, he's gonna be a true freshman, Jordan Hall. He's a five-star defensive lineman. I'll say this. I think I said it uh like a month ago. 
the All-American game, people who I talked to that were there and just observations I saw from people that were there, he was the best player there at all the All-American game. He's the best, in my opinion, he will be the best and most talented player from this upcoming signing class for Georgia. The most important is Monroe Freeling because of the, where they're at with tackle. Said that before. Monroe Freeling's the most important. Jordan Hall's the most talented, and I think he'll ultimately, over the course of his career, will be the best one. If he with how loaded that room is with guys who were freshmen last year, who by the end of the year, TCU, I mean, I saw some some flashes against Ohio State from Bear Alexander and um, from Michael Williams, from guys like that. I mean, Jordan Hall cracking and getting some reps with the ones this early is scary impressive. So that's a guy you need to be aware of this upcoming season. So, uh, Jason. Who else have we not talked about yet that mm. folks need to, to know about? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. While I do that, while you look up the, the next name, uh, Ben, we got one from Andy Stowe. He says, uh, where will old Dan Jackson fit in when he's healthy? I think you might want to start Dan. a job. Remember, guys, Dan Jackson's coming back. And Dan Jackson started for Kirby. Uh, he's a safety, right? He's he's mm-hmm. going to be playing back there with Starks if he if he does come back. Uh, and, and gets to start. That would be where I don't know. Oh, that's tough, Andy. Because I like Dan. He's he's aggressive. He knows the playbook. He you know he's he's that type of kid you want on the team. Is it a good or bad thing if Dan Jackson is starting at the other safety spot? I don't know. That's that's uh, I guess that's a question we will leave for a later time. Uh, but it could be bad. Could be good. Uh, he's, he's got the experience, but then you're also you're relying on him and not relying on some of these younger five-star prospects who you brought in. Dan Jackson was a walk-on, right? So like you're, that's, that's where it, it kind of, for me, I don't know guys, that, that's just me. If, uh, if he were to win a starting job, is that a good thing? I, I hate to say it, but no. And the yeah, reason I, I the reason I say that is because we're not, you know, it's, I, I just think there would have been more about him at this point, you know, injury, no injury. Like, you know, it, it's, it is what it is, but I think he's got a role, you know, he's, he's oh, definitely, yeah, he's definitely got a role, but yeah, I, I don't, he got, he got beat out last year. It's, yeah. it is, it is what it is. Um, Rhett Womack's got my back right here. Aguero's going to be a stud. That's my guy, Jason. Um, I hear Jamel you. Aguero coming up from the DMV up there where you guys are from, yeah? Uh, showing out. He's he's the next next big safety for Georgia. That's my guy. I don't think he gets to start right away, obviously. Now, that's why Kirby and company are moving Bullard back there to that second safety position. But if you want to watch for one guy in the spring, uh, watch out for Aguero uh, during the G-Day game. Let's see here. It's a tough question right here, Derek. Says, uh, crazy deep at all positions on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, some talented players are not going to start. Do you see anyone transferring? If so, who? Um, I'll answer this for everybody. Um, I think it's just too early to tell right now, right? A lot of guys are still trying to compete. And um, I'm sure there will be some transfers. Uh, you know, with with a, as stacked as this team is, there will be some transfers. But as of right now, um, like if you wanted me to name somebody, or these two guys to name somebody. I don't, I don't think we could. Um, I don't yeah. think it's fair to any of those guys right now. Um, if yeah, I would look at the defensive backfield because there always seems to be where – like I remember talking to you guys a while back about how like offensive line, oddly enough, 
doesn't have a lot of guys transfer out. Running back, I don't think a single running back's transferred out under Kirby. The one position that always has turnover is receiver and defensive back because they're taking large quantity of them. So that would be the position because there's always guys in and out, in and out at those spots year to year. So those positions I would look at in terms of people transferring. I can't give you names, but I'm just going off a of past history there. Yeah, then obviously, Derek, uh, whichever one of Carson and Brock don't start, I would imagine, probably in the portal too. So there's your, there's your easy yeah. pick. Quarterback's the easiest to speculate on right. on this topic. Right. right. Um, let's see here. You never did follow up with who I, who I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please, please. My bad. I didn't know if you had him or not. It's not. It's. It's. I don't think it's anything. Um. It's anybody surprising though. I mean, it's on offense too. But I. I personally am most interested to see what. Uh, to see what Dominic Lovett does. Um, I think he can be that guy. That that number one receiver for whoever the quarterback is, and. Um. I'm interested to see. Yeah, just just really how he progresses in this offense, and if and if they are able to continue to keep it open and uh and as pass he- pass happy and pass heavy, yeah, here you go, more than a thousand yeah. yards. They haven't had that guy since two thousand two. Terrence yep. Edwards, the Willie only Jason? one, the only one thousand yard receiver in Georgia history. It's un- it's unbelievable. I thought it would have been Brock Bowers, and who knows? Maybe it could be Brock Bowers to be the next one. J- wait, wait, wait. So, Jason, do you think this year, whether there's a player or if if it is, if there's a player that you think will do it, that will eclipse the thousand yards this year? Do you think? Man, his, a- history history says bet against it. I thought it would happen the last. Uh, I thought it would happen last year. I thought for sure Brock was going to go over a thousand, and he did so it. Brock hit nine forty two last year, and he did it only because of the national championship where he just right. went, and, he he went bonkers. 15, yeah, in fifteen games too. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. So now you got Georgia playing fifteen games, and they still can't get a guy. But um, if they keep it as as wide open as it has been, and you get these guys who. Uh, you know, I, I, whether it's Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, these, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to disrespect. I mean, I'm, I'm a, the, one of the biggest Stetson Bennett fans in, in terms of how he plays the game. I mean, I was about to be like, you get these guys with these live arms. I'm like, well, Stetson Bennett's got great <laughs> arm strength. I don't know what I'm, but they still couldn't get a guy with a thousand yards. It's just, right. uh, the, here, the, here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. So with Georgia playing 15 games, Jason, that averages out to 66.7 yards needed per game. And now that's, yeah. that sounds super easy, right? That sounds like Dominic Lovett could could easily get that. Yeah. I, think, I think if you look at his stats from last year, I think he averaged right around that because they didn't play as many games as Georgia did. Yeah. Uh, and I think he got right around that. Somebody, somebody looked that up for me. Uh, divide his uh, number of games by his total yards. I know it was like 780 or something like that. But the, yeah, the way the offense has been with so many guys, they 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 spread the ball out. You know, you look at a lot of teams. Uh, mm-hmm. To take away the Oklahomas and the Ohio States and those kind of programs that you're just producing all sorts of crazy numbers. Um, the way the way Georgia is, especially when it comes to to getting big leads and then sitting on the ball in the, in the fourth quarter, it's just really hard. They, they have games where this guy's the guy, and then this game where this guy's getting most of the yards and then they sit on it in the fourth quarter <laughs> and uh, they're not running up the yards and uh, they're, they're running up the score, but they're running up the score with the run game. And 
And, and so it's just really hard for, for this type of attack to, to produce a, a thousand yard receiver. It seems like yet, you know, you've got these crazy talented receivers, uh, you know, in this offense. Eddie from the A says, what's up guys. Uh, what's up, Eddie. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Eddie says, yeah, Georgia will lose some in the transfer portal, but who might we target or gain in the portal? Eddie, asking these tough-ass questions, Eddie. Um, I mean, it depends on who's in there, right? I mean, is there a starting uh, caliber player for Georgia? Speaking I don't think of, they take anyone in the portal, to be honest. Here, here's the thing. Starting caliber for Georgia, one position that nobody's brought up, but it's pretty big position uh, and, and has been uh, – Locked down for Georgia in recent years is that left tackle position. It's an open comp now. Um, Ernest Green. So he's a name to watch, guys. Last year he was out. Uh, Cali kid, big kid. Um, came in, got hurt, though, and didn't play or practice much at all last year. And then the other one is Austin Blasky, a kid from uh, down there in Effingham County, South Savannah, Georgia boy. Uh, repping at center some, repping at left tackle, that'll be a position to to watch for. Uh, and like I said, for for so many years for Georgia, you know, left tackle has been pretty locked down, you know, and now it's up in the air. Blasky's really interesting to me because if, if this were the NFL, he would not be the starter because teams would find him so valuable – because he plays all five positions and can plug and play when an injury happens. He would be that guy. And I think the way Georgia would do it in that situation is have him be a rotation guy to keep him happy and keep him in the mix. Um, but this is college. You want to play your best five regardless. Um, and and so it, it is interesting to hear how well he is playing at left tackle. I know um, out at uh, – out at the national championship at the media day, Stacy Searles uh, was very, very complimentary of, of Blasky and, and they love everything he does. Then you look at a guy like Ernest Green and I mean, just from a pure like athletic specimen standpoint, this, this guy should, uh, you would think he would have, he would have the upper hand, but it sounds, sounds like Blasky's doing everything yeah. he can to, to, uh, you know, get that job at left tackle. And, um, and plus, at, at the end of the day, if there is an injury, you can always move Blasky, even if he's he opens the year as as the starter. So it's a little bit different than in the NFL, where I, he would be. It would almost be like a screw job if if he were on an NFL roster, because I, I really think they would value him as the sixth man. And but but, but luckily for him, it's it's college. <laughs> he's at Georgia. Here's a couple of things on Blasky, Jason. I thought he was smaller than this. He's actually listed as six five, three ten. Uh, so I thought he was actually like six three, but. Whatever. And then also uh, his senior year of high school, number one wrestler in class 5A, 18 and 0, 285 pound weight division. You got to yeah. be a bad dude to do that. Those uh, wrestlers, man, or, or I should say like offensive line coaches seem to love wrestlers uh, or, mm -hmm. or offensive linemen who, who have that skill set. Uh, you know, Dylan Fairchild was one. He was a, what, a state champion wrestler, if right. I recall correctly. Um, that's an that's a exceptional skill set. For, for offensive linemen to have. Here we go. Amari, part of the family, went and looked it up for us. Love it last year, guys. Averaged 70 yards per game. Do you know how much he had versus Georgia? Uh, well, I don't remember. Uh, 84. A lot. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But you need 66.7 if we're if we're going That's off. if you go 15, right? Okay. Yeah, if, you, if we're yeah. going off recency yeah. here and you go 15, you need 66.7. 
Also, Amari said he missed the Kentucky game. So you take out the Kentucky Ooh. game. Love it had 76 yards per game, guys. I'm just saying he's he's close. He's close. I think to be safe, you need to do it by 14. Just just to be safe. Yeah. You you gotta think they're going back to the SEC championship. Like a lot of questions, guys. Uh, and I guess rightfully so, right? Hot pod, old Jack Pod Lesney leaving. Yeah. Uh we I feel like we've had four or five questions tonight, guys, about uh Zirkle. Oh, that's a name. Yeah, man. Brought that up. That 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 brought back. I'm I'm still what the reason why is I had a conversation with I mean one Georgia fan I was having a conversation with was like why is Kirby the one coach who always scholarships kickers and punters? I love it. He's like, I love it. There's a chance that your backup punter might be on scholarship. No, like, there's look, just a chance. Look, like Zirkle. Look. I mean, he, I mean, he might have blue shirted, but it's so funny though. Scholarship as a backup kicker, like no other Bro. kid does that. So, which look. is always what what I, I always find to be quite hilarious. But Georgia, if they're anything like their longs in college, if they can be consistent, those two guys got legs. Like their legs are bigger than pods. Like these two guys can push close to 60. I don't know how consistent they are. That's actually, to me, that's more important. How many, if you can hit every kick under 50 every single time, but you don't really have a 60 yard leg, I'll take that over a guy who's 50 50, but he can hit it from 61. You know, yeah. these guys have big legs, but I'm curious to see how good they are consistent at making field goals from anywhere. I think that's how Hot Pod won the job. He was just consistent and, yeah. and, and could. Kick, he, he could hit the gimmies more, way more often than Zirkle could, and that's really what, what has held Zirkle back. Funny enough, when Kirby first got the job, I remember there was an interview where he was like, "Yeah, we don't, we don't give, we're not going to give punter scholarships, or, or, or no, we, we're not going to give. I forget if it was kickers or no, punters. It was kickers because the whole Rodriguez yeah. thing. Yeah, he was like, we're not giving kickers scholarships, and then like he ended up giving. <laughs> yeah, then it, then it happened. <laughs> he kept doing it. <laughs> Probably yeah, more than anybody. Dude, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. Look, man, you rely on that guy in big time situations, and you want some walk on kid that you're like, yeah, you know, we we didn't. We here's my thing. Who matters more? Who matters more? Your starting kicker or your 16th offensive lineman? Who matters more? Mm. Oh, your starting, starting kicker. kicker. Absolutely. Okay. Also, right. I think Paul's biased here. He's the world's wow. longest intern, so he's biased to the walk ons. He's biased. <laughs> he came no. from nothing. Well, so so I, I get what Kirby was saying from nothing to somehow still be here. Just like those walk on kickers. That's what, that's what I'm saying though. <laughs> Who's more important, your 16th offensive lineman or your starting kicker. You but you guys both instantly said your starting kicker. So why is it a, a, such a big deal that he gets a scholarship? It's not, but like, I, I think what, but going back to what Kirby was initially saying is that like, you can get guys who are just as good as a scholarship kicker in as a walk on. It just, you know, if you have the chance it's interesting because, you know, Zirkle was regarded as one of the better kickers in the country when he was coming out of high school. And then it turned out, you know, he had accuracy issues all over the place despite the big leg. But if you can get that guy in, you take you take it. It's a no-brainer because he can be your guy for three to four straight years. Uh, and and you, that's a position you don't have to worry about that. It's ever important. You know, kicker, punter, long snapper, the special teams, uh, uh, the specialists, I should say, those positions uh, – you you want them to go under the radar as much as possible. You don't because usually when you're you know kicker yeah you're highlighting them when when they when they make long kicks punter when they boom a punt uh, yeah you you you, uh, you you notice them for that long snapper it's only when they screw up but usually when you're noticing those guys more often than not it's when they're screwing up you want that that aspect of or that phase of football down to where you're not worried about it and Georgia has had that 
uh, you know, from going from Rodrigo to hot pod. So um, this, this, uh, you know, this is, this is definitely an area that I think probably deserves a little bit more attention than maybe has been paid so far uh, this off season. Dane Young stepping in here. He wants a little bit of a compliment, so I'm sure Ben's going to give him one. Dane <laughs> said, spoken like a Ravens fan, spoiled by the assurance of Justin Tucker, which is very true. You are spoiled by him, very much so. He said, oh, also, oh, 100%. He said, also, love the NFL draft mock show the other week. The host was stellar. That's where Dane is fishing for a compliment. Before you give him his compliment, Ben, I want to say thank you to Dane for stepping in so I could go do 11 Alive, do TV, stuff like that. Should uh, be but, our permanent uh, host. I agree. Thank you. Oh. Well, well uh, I'm just messing with them. Nah, it was a good show, guys. Um, and this was a great show too. I know uh, you know, it, it maybe you liked it a little bit more a couple weeks ago. That's fine. That's weird. <laughs> uh, but you know, we, we try over here. So when's G Day, guys? I feel like I should know that. It's two weekends. Sixteenth? Yeah. Wait, fourteenth? Two two Saturdays from now, right? So what yeah. we're gonna do April 15th. Don't forget, guys, it's going to be on ESPN2. This is the only uh, only SEC team that's getting on a network, not like SEC wow. Network. Or like you know the other on uh, Colorado State is getting a primetime oh, per Col- ESPN. Yeah, yeah, per ESPN. Yeah. What? How? Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Colorado State. No, wait, no, I'm, Col- I'm Colorado? Colorado. I'm in Colorado. I'm in Colorado. Okay, yeah, well, Dion, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that, and that, yeah. those are the only two that are going to be on any yeah. ESPN. Everything yeah. else is like you got to have a subscription. What if it was Colorado State? They just totally just sent the vans over. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, no, Colorado Dion. You, you, makes... you turn on the TV, yeah. you you want to see Dion, and you just see Colorado State. They're like, I don't know why we're on ESPN either. Uh, this guy named Paul from the uh, UGA Sports Show got it switched up, and uh, everybody's heading out that way. Just Georgia Southern, they get a they get a spring game on ESPN. What? Uh, I don't know. Jason just dipped out on us. Uh, let's see here. Nah, Brett, it is the uh, 15th. It's a Saturday. 14th is a Friday, Brett. Brett thought it was a 14th. No. Yeah, I think it's because I might have also gotten that mixed up because like official visitors who come that weekend have right. to come on that Friday. I think right. that's why. Yeah, I think that's why we get that mixed up. Uh, Andy So said, uh, laugh out loud. Y'all just need to fight. Talking about me and you. Maybe in a Motel 6 parking lot. Yeah, Dad. I'm just messing with them, by the way. No, yeah, it's all love here. It's all love. Um, but no, guys, uh, so we will be back. Won't be back next week because, you know, it's kind of a sim- similar thing that we'd be talking about right now. Uh, but we will be back. And after we will be back on April 16th for the G-Day show, which would be great. And then from there on out, we will go to a weekly show, uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, for after G Day, so we can bring you guys uh, tons of tons of info. And and I know you guys miss us, so we're gonna take uh, next weekend. Got the baby shower, we're having a kid. We're having a baby shower, uh, so we're gonna do that. Taking some masters, and then uh, it's back on the grind, guys. Yeah, you see it. You see it. Oh, there it is. Um, let's see here. Brent Bishop says, anyone know if you need to buy tickets beforehand to attend G-Day in person? Somebody help Brent out, man. Uh, Jermaine King said, Bulldog in parking lot. Hey, that place, man. That, no, sir. <laughs> that place. Pay by the hour. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Um, but, guys, we appreciate you guys watching us so much. Before you head out, do us a quick favor. Would you go ahead and like the video? It helps us out a ton in the algorithm so it reaches out to other dog fans so it's not just – 
you know, Rhett and Andy Stowe and Eddie from Ackworth in here all the time, just chirping. I'm kidding, guys. We love every one of those guys I talked about. Um, but no, it, it helps out tremendously to branch out and uh, get some other units uh, in here, guys. So if you could like the video before you head out, it'll be on podcast if you missed any of it. Where you get UJ Sports Podcast, it'll be up here in just a few minutes. If you missed any, you can re-listen or, or listen to work on the way home or, yeah, to work or on the way home tomorrow. So, uh, guys, before I get us out of here, anything uh, last special words from you, uh, JB? Oh, yeah. I just wanted a dog 85 talking about the holder. I know you like the quarterback as the holder, but, uh, you know, I, I, I when I was covering the Falcons, uh, uh, I remember getting a long conversation with Cam Nislick one time about um, – just how important it is for the relationship with the punter and, or I'm sorry, the holder and the kicker. And so um, it, it could be the quarterback. It could be the punter. It really depends on the kicker's preference. Uh, Cam actually like taught me a lot about, about um, special teams. And uh, yeah. I'm very appreciative uh, of him uh, in that aspect. Uh, great, exceptional, smart guy. And um, so in terms of holder, yeah, Stetson was the holder and, uh, that's gonna be. That's actually a big uh, loss too. That they, I think a very very underrated loss that that Georgia has to to deal with. More than likely, it'll be Brett Thorson. I'll yeah. be my guess. But I have a question but, yeah. for the man himself. So, Jason, wasn't your um last time cover last season covering the Ravens when Justin Tucker uh, was in that battle to be the starting kicker? Dude, that, that was the most amazing. This is gonna be one of the when we go for fifteen more minutes after closing the show. <laughs> uh, that was one of the most surreal training camps because Billy Cundiff had come off the the miss in New England, but was you know they, they they just signed Tucker as a free agent. He was good at Texas, but I mean he had he had long range. But like if you look at his numbers, he wasn't anybody that was ever on a radar to be drafted. And he just came in and like when and he did well, he did well in the rookie mini camp. I remember. And then it got to um, OTAs and it got to uh, really when it got down to uh, a mini camp too, but when it got to, um, to the preseason, I mean, he and, he and Cundiff just kept going back and back and back. And it was like every kick Tucker made went in. And then when they got deeper and deeper, Cundiff, he started spraying them and just Tucker. It was automatic, even as an undrafted rookie. And it was just like, this is bizarre. It got to the point where you were sitting there going, okay, because originally it was just Harbaugh's like competition. Like Harbaugh had no uh, reason to uh, bring in this guy to, to supplant Billy Cundiff. And basically halfway through the preseason, it was, it was like uh, they, they had no choice. I mean, he, he straight up out kicked them, and they, they let Cundiff go halfway through just as a courtesy to so he could find another team, and the rest is history. <laughs> Just like the rest of this show is history, guys. I don't know what the hell Jason was just talking about there, guys. Ben, ben got me down memory lane, man. That's if, my fault. Edit that out. Edit all that through, out. Yeah, if you guys stay with us through that, uh, you really are too. I'm I just want to let that be known. Paul muted me. I, that was not the way around. I did not mute you. I did not mute you. I was As fake on, news said your mic has been muted. I did not mute you. I was literally playing on my phone. I was playing on. I was playing on my phone. But uh, guys, we appreciate you so much for watching. Go ahead and like the video and uh, share with a friend or two. We'll see you in two weeks. G-Day coming at you. We'll be here. Take it easy, guys. Thanks so much.